Hello and welcome to Say That, podcast where your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. And joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the founder of Mission USA. Okay. All right. Also joining us, producer, <laughs> director of Mission USA Productions, Jed Brewer. Okay, Ed. All right. Joining us all in Rutgers, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. I feel like Glenn is wearing orange and blue at me. Yep. And I don't. I can't actually see his shirt because the the internet's not too good. But it's probably an Astros shirt. Oh and he's yeah, probably doing that is. at me. Yeah, to punish me. Yeah. Yes, we are recording this on October the sixth. We are in the thick of the Major League Baseball playoffs. That's not the only season we're in the thick of. And gentlemen, on that <laughs> basis, I declare a matrimonial emergency! What? Wow. An emergency? Now, normally our matrimonial emergencies on this show are because Glenn said something <laughs> and triggered said a matrimonial emergency. Is this more of the same? No, Brother Matt. This matrimonial emergency is because this episode of the Say That Podcast is the last that we will record with Matt as a single man. Oh, my Hallelujah! I Hallelujah! I knew I had something to do on Friday. Yes. Yes, you do. <laughs> I have to cancel a paintball game because I can't make so, it. Well, you can probably squeeze it in. <laughs> normally, normally, I feel like it's questions are the things that bring us, to, us four together, but today, marriage is what brings us together today. Indeed. Yes. It's happening, people. It's happening. Uh, those of you who know me know I've been largely ambivalent about this whole thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it takes a real hands-off, supportive approach to people in this Just, life. I've been cool. That's, I think, the main thing you could You've say. You've been easy. I've been easy. You know, I've had a peaceful, easy feeling about the whole thing. And so, I don't think, quote Don funny. Henley about my marriage. What's wrong with you? I think the the interesting thing to me is that Glenn does not want to go to any weddings. That's correct. That's true. Ever, that, he doesn't want to go to your wedding. No. Whoever this, whoever's listening to this podcast out there, podcast listener, yes. in whatever country you are, in whatever stage of life, Glenn does not want to go to your wedding right. as much as he loves true you. True story. However. This is a wedding that Glenn celebrates with every cell in his body. That's correct. It's finally happened. Yeah. Well, you know, through the miracle, the time-traveling miracle that is podcasting. Uh-huh. Because, you know, they don't listen right now. What? What do you mean? Wow. Well, the people who are listening to us, they're listening in the future, Glenn. Oh, wow. That's right. I remember this now. Yes. For once, I'm glad this bit's going to sidetrack us for a little while. It's like... It's beamed into the future. That's right, yeah. They could be listening to this in 2019 or 2119. It's it's hard to know. Or 3119. Also technically possible. Or 31,019. Maybe, sure. Let's go with that. Not if climate policy keeps up. But the reason this is important (laughs) is as we record it, Matt is still a single man. True. Yeah. But as our listeners listen... He is Whoa. already a married man. Whoa. This man is married. It's like Schrodinger's marriage. Yes. It's like he's married and not married at the same time. Yes, he is in a quasi-married state. Now, let me ask you this. Theologic- but not like the way your weird aunt and uncle are <laughs> quasi-married and kind of want to talk about too much Thanksgiving. That's not what we mean. Given that he's both married and not married, theologically, right? I want to put this out there. Yeah. What can he get away with? Oh, that's an excellent question. Historically, I mean? wow. nothing. 
<laughs> I mean, because it feels like one of those, like, uh, you know, like a grace period where you can get in. The- <laughs> I, I don't think I've gotten away with anything in about eight months. <laughs> well, it could be like one of those, you know, you get one for free, get out of jail free card. Well, you nope. know. Nope. No, Lots that- of time in jail. <laughs> I think if anything, we're in the opposite. As you know, the the my three co-hosts here have been married for for quite a while each, Forever. and there's we've talked often on the show about the concept of husband points. Yeah, we built up some husband points. Yeah, you've done some foot rubs, you've put out some shelves, you've yeah. taken out some trash. You can maybe get away with some things. That's right. When you're in an early dating situation, your your your, your scampishness is maybe still adorable. Maybe yeah. you know she still doesn't really want to want to you know. Mess with the relationship, so you can get away with some things. Yeah, she doesn't I feel know like, how horrible you really are. Yeah, I feel like one week out from my pending nuptials, I am at the absolute nadir of how much someone can get away with. Right. I think that's a completely wow. fair assessment. Yeah. Like, I am in a constant state of bailing water right now. Right. Yeah, I like the I, I like that you're bringing up husband points. We need to also refer to the great invention of Brian Regan, which is the tiny husband brain. Yes. We're I just balancing got a tiny all brain. of those things. I'm hey, I'm caught up in a set of uh, drapes right now. Wow! Pulled them right off the wall. Had to walk down to the recording. I just got a tiny little husband brain. Look, look this is uh, this is our last chance to give valuable marriage advice to Matt. Yes. Oh, valuable though it would be, and maybe the listeners will learn something as well. Because if there's anything that people who are engaged to be married don't get enough of, it's advice. It's unsolicited marital advice. Yes. Uh, I, you know, I think, uh, you know, we've all learned a lot from the mistakes in our lives. Clearly. For example, at one point in Judge Marriage, his wife said, should we get a bird? Yes. And he said, uh, Sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, likely what she said is, let's get a goat. Yes. And you were like, no, I, I, I don't no. think our landlord will go for that. Less bitey. Let's get a, a, a lemur. Uh, is that even legal? <laughs> Let's get a bird. Yes, bird. Yes, sure. bird. You know, so that's the, there may have been a setup there with yeah. that. But uh, there, there are things that you live in regret of later. That's definitely you know? true. So let's, let's make sure that Matt is forewarned on some things, you know? Matt, don't get well, what, a bitey pet. Oh, don't get a bitey pet, <laughs> yeah. yeah. What I wonder on this, fellas, is I wonder if we have an opportunity for financial gain in this moment. Oh, wow. My, my question is, could we offer Bridgebox subscribers kind of a, a supersized version of, of their input into the ministry in that if they wanted to supersize their giving for a month or so, we could let them give Matt some extra unsolicited marital oh, advice. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. like uh, put a coin in the fountain. Yeah, it's very much like that. It's like, exactly. you, you know, you, you, you give something, and then you get to, to have an opinion. It's like <laughs> politics. If you give us enough money, I'll listen to your advice no matter how crazy it is. That's the secret <laughs> right there. Marriage think tank. Yeah. We're going to be drowning in cash. You give a big enough donation, <laughs> maybe Matt should get a bird. I don't That's know. We'll right. find out. Right. Well, the 
That's a, I didn't even know there was a thing called the Aviation Freedom Foundation. Wait, wait a second. You just come up with a brilliant idea. Don't, I don't think so. Give money to the ministry. We make Matt have to put up with things in his new marriage. Yes! There it is. is. That's it. I mean, we've come up. There have been zanier fundraising schemes. Let me just say this. Uh, I, people out there think, well, you make fun of Matt on the show for being single for all these years. What is it like in real life? Well, it's way worse. Yes. Yeah. As in all things, <laughs> the things you may find objectionable about the way we interact with each other in this podcast are massively toned down versions of reality. Yeah, That's right. <laughs> I've been on board as saying Matt's been happy. Yes. He's running free, roaming. Well, mostly sitting free. Well, exactly. Just doing whatever he wants to do. <laughs> Scratching himself wherever he itches, you follow what I'm saying? No, actually. Well, it's like sometimes you get an itch in a personal area. No, I've got, a, I've got ointment now. Um, well, but to a point you're making, not to intentionally change the subject, but um, this is a thing that is new to my life. So it's, this is the first time since uh, Jen and I have been together. It's football season. Mm, and I enjoy yeah. the college football. Yeah. Um, normally, I enjoy dreaming with Tennessee Volunteers, but even I have my limits, so we haven't been doing that too much this year. Yeah, some, there's some pain <laughs> involved in that. Yeah, So, but I just like football. It's like you yeah. can, Sometimes you root for a team, but sometimes you just like watching the sport. It doesn't really matter. So I've got like the ESPN Plus. There's been a lot of like, it's Western Kentucky versus South Alabama because it's like the middle and nothing's on. And I'll be sitting there watching. She'll be doing something. I'll down and say, oh, you're doing it. I'm just watching the game. Okay, who do you want to win? It's one of those of, I don't. I can't even begin to explain why I'm watching this game for to you. I don't want anyone to win. I don't know who any of these players are. Nothing about this affects my Yeah, I just, I've never had to examine my life in these ways That's before. Right. And That's it's right. been a little disturbing. Well, that, that Why is, did you eat half of that banana and put the rest of it back? That, I don't know. That was a long discussion in our marriage. Why did you eat half a banana? Yeah. Woke up in the middle of the night, wanted a banana, got it halfway through. That Gave was, up. I was, I just. I've had enough banana. <laughs> tapped out. I Weight of this banana out. became too great. It's more I, potassium than one man can take. I felt like <laughs> I got a choice between keeping on eating this banana or going back to bed. I chose to go back to bed. <laughs> but I. There's a lot of having to explain yourself. Yeah. No one. Yep, no one yep, warned yep, yep, yep. me about that. You know. Well, what if we had a thing where if you gave a certain amount to the to Mission USA, you could just uh, you you could come up with a, a phrase that Matt had to use in a conflict conversation. Oh wow! Oh, now we're getting dangerous. I mean, that's like platinum donor circle stuff. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, I mean, this has got to be a big time donor kind of situation. But if you really hammered down on the ministry, and if that phrase is "calm down," you are buying <laughs> no, no, us no, no, a building. No, no. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, that's not... And paying my hospital bills. That's right. Is this really <laughs> such a big deal? Yeah. No, You'll yeah. be buying us some form of boat. <laughs> you gotta really be funding the ministry at this point. Yeah. No, that's uh, people, it's been a long time coming. Yeah. A lot of people out there, they've been on this journey with us. That's true. They've been through all the highs and all the lows, all the ups and the downs. Sure. They were there when no one had any hope that a woman would marry this man. <laughs> that was uh, that was everybody up until I'm going to say a year ago. It, but you know, some of us, like myself, yeah, 
We believed. Yeah. Persevered. We, we kept the faith that this would happen one day. Yeah. And you see how that's paid off now. Yeah. Glenn doesn't have to sit on that hilltop with that vigil lit anymore. It's going to open up right. a lot of free time for him. This is what I'm saying. And we couldn't ask for any better. That's the other thing. Uh, yes, absolutely. That's Amen. true. See what I'm saying? Because also, super fan. Yes. See how that happened? Come on now. You you were thinking uh, this podcast, well, it's all about wisdom. Right. But it's more than that. It's also it, a hustle. It ke- <laughs> it's all about the... It's about the hotness, too, It's Glenn. about the hotness. It's the, about the heat of the hotness. Nope. Okay. That's what we bring to this podcast. Come on now. That is not going in the iTunes description. It's, that will confuse you, the people. It, it's, <laughs> this podcast is for lovers. It, you know what? We, <laughs> we covered a lot of ground. We are the Virginia of podcasting in that way. Yes. Yeah. We covered a lot of ground. We got some good laughs. We got some genuine sweetness going. This is about to spiral out of control. Yep. When you've done this as long as I have, you can feel it on that yeah. basis, I declare. I have some honeymoon thoughts. Nope. nope. Okay. I declare Sorry. an emergency off. Why don't we do a bridge box plug right now? And that is why we let Jed declare that particular emergency, because only he can be trusted That's right. with the parliamentary power to end it. And that's I, I agree with that. A little yeah. lesson for all of us. Yeah, Glenn would have sped out into certain meetings. Yeah, oh, no yeah. doubt about Lots that. Lots of meetings. If you will, uh, if, if everyone will uh, grant me a small uh, moment of sincerity, it's as uncomfortable for me as it is for you. So it'll be over quick. I will say one of the lovely things about uh, doing the show, uh, getting to know people kind of over the years and be involved in their lives, have them be involved in our lives, is I put up. A thing on Instagram about kind of, hey, engagement, all that, and to get notes from folks I've never met in real life, but who have I, I've interacted with, or maybe I've met through the show who live in New Zealand or, or England or Sweden, and it's been very, very cool. It's a very, very fun reminder of this cool little um, community and a whole thing we got going on here on the podcast. So in the small way that I have shared this uh, barb-laden and uh, deeply uncomfortable journey with all of you, I'm glad to have done such. And, of course, we will continue to do so. One way you could, of course, be more involved in all of the insanity we have going on up here is Bridgebox. MissionUSA.com slash Bridgebox. Only $8 a month. It's a great way to support the work we do. And apparently, if you give enough, it's a great way to get me to shipwreck my budding relationship. <laughs> or your financial hardship, which is, you know, something I'm more prone to doing than I should have even thought of in jest. MissionUSA.com slash Bridgebox. Still in the month of October, we're looking at being a good encourager. Lots of great stuff on that in Bridgebox. All right, we're going to move on to our first question here. If you have us all the way to the end, I get some ways to get touch this, or you can scroll down into your episode description wherever you're listening to this and click the links there. First question comes, first question comes in and says, my church talks a lot about how it's okay to not be okay. I think that's great, and I'm trying to embrace that, but I also have things that I want to improve on to make my life better. What's the balance on being okay to not be okay, but not wanting to not be okay anymore? And that's a very good question. There's also one that was phrased in a way that I feel was a direct challenge to my ability to pronounce words. <laughs> and I think I did okay. But it, it really is a great question. Glenn, I think you mentioned in the last show uh, something about kind of memes that pop up in mm-hmm. church and preaching and ministry. And I think it's okay to not be okay over the last five years or so. It's been a big one. And then there's a... Right. I think we'd all agree there's a good idea at the heart of that. Yeah. But there, as in all slogans, sex criticism, there's going to be a lot of a healthy life that that leaves out, right? For sure. I mean, it's it's a bit clunky from the standpoint of, 
it, we accept that you're not okay uh, might be a little better. Uh, we love you. It, it, you don't wait to feel okay before you come to church. Yeah, is really what they're saying. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and that's and that's a good sentiment. And we we want to echo that. We agree with that. Um, you not being okay uh, and and you having struggles does stink. And we do want you to be free from that but we don't want you to feel pressure that you have to deal with that here and now and, and fake off and all of that. So it's tough to squeeze that into a cute little meme. So, you know, that we can be understanding about that part, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think ultimately though, there's another thing at play here in, in your question, which is the idea that I need to have a certain amount of dissatisfaction, disappointment, approval of myself, uh, a, a, a negative uh, sort of rejection of my life the way it is now in order to drive positive change in my life. Mm. And that's not true. Uh, that's using emotion, in this case, uh, negativity, uh, you know, low self-esteem, you know, uh, a negative... Uh, self-talk, you know, any of these kind of phrases you want to use, a, a lack of, uh, uh, of approval and acceptance uh, that you're withholding from yourself. Using all those things, that's just emotion. So I want to make a change. And I say, you're a worm. You're no good. You're a terrible person. You need to get your act together. You need to buckle down and get, to, you know. That's using emotion. And in this case, it, it happens to be negative emotion. Uh, but that emotion will burn off and it won't leave you with lasting change. It's a very limited resource. It's, it's not quite as limited a resource as willpower, but it's, it's down there with how weak a, a, a thing it is uh, to use that emotion. But we're really, I think a lot of Christians have it built into their DNA that um, that, that negative, that, that view of themselves as a, a sinner and therefore deserving of a certain amount of condemnation is central to their walk. That's the, that's the basis of their walk. That's the, that's the root of it. It's not grace. It's that I am a bad person, so I need to go get grace, and I need to go get forgiveness, I need to get my act together, I need to read my Bible, I need to do all these things, and so on and so forth. And if you take away that need to make myself into something acceptable and simply say, you are accepted by God, then I, you're taking away this vital thing that I'm using to to, to drive the process. Uh, you know, Lee and I were having a conversation about this recently. That uh, the thing with grace is it breaks the cycle of all this guilt, and then you do it again, and you feel guilty, and you do it again, and you feel guilty. You're right. some part of you is feeling prideful about how guilty you are feeling. Like I'm feeling some really good guilt here. That's so Christian of me to feel terrible about myself. <laughs> You know, it just it goes round and round. It's a cycle. Uh, but here's the thing. Let's just scrap all that, because none of that works. Let's start over with this. There are areas in your life that have problems, where there's dysfunctions, it's not working right, bad habits, addictions, traumas, all that stuff. Just, just bad stuff is not working right. You are experiencing unhappiness as a result of those areas. So there's your motivation. You know, you have you have things that are making you unhappy, bumming you out, stressing you out, overwhelming you, whatever. So there's your motivation. We don't need to beat up on you in order to get that motivation going. 
We just want less uh, negativity and, and pain and problems in our life. Adding more in is not the thing. It's just like oh, we're going to supercharge it or something. We don't need that. Uh, it's a so all of that's going to provide a drive. I, I have this bad habit, and it, my life is not where I want to be based on that. Or it's this relationship is dysfunctional, and I need to end it, and I need to have a new and healthy relationship, and I have to do something about that. You know, we have these 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 problem areas. They create pain, and we are already motivated to get rid of that pain, right? But what we need to do is channel that drive into something that's healthy, positive, functional, and where I'm getting a deeper relationship with with the Lord going, a closer, more intimate relationship where He is giving me approval, acceptance, where he's saying, I want better for you. I have bigger blessings in mind for you. I don't want you to hurt yourself in these ways. You don't deserve that. I'm not. I, this is not my will for your life. My will for your life is that you have freedom and love and all these things. So if we can approach it from that standpoint, we're actually getting, we're not balancing the positive and the negative. We're going all the way negative in order to get away from, or all the way positive, in order to get all, away from this negative stuff. I think it's a really, really strong place to start off. I really like what Glenn's saying there. Jed, I'd love to get you to pick us up there, because I think if we go back to this, this original phrase, there's a a kind of casualness to it that I think is actually helpful. Sure, yeah. we're kind of talking about. But it's also always the first thing to go. Yeah. So when Glenn talks about you know going all the way one way or the other, I think we talk a lot on the show about how that can be a disservice, but I think this is an idea like this is a particular case, right? Where the idea of going hardcore with how okay it is to not be okay is probably not the best strategy. Absolutely. As with all things, we need some left and right limits here um, because it's, it's easy to careen way out of bounds in either direction. And, And we need to be fairly precise in our language. I mean, one of the things about it's okay to not be okay is, it's winsome in that it's colloquial, but it's also not precise as to what exactly that means. So we need some more precision. Right. So making a lifestyle out of pretending to be better than you are is unhealthy. That is a limit on one side of the equation. But we need to take a second and actually explore that. The key thing is making a lifestyle out of it. We all have moments where we need to put our best foot forward plus a little bit. Uh, if you're at a job interview, that is not a moment for unvarnished honesty. That's not a moment to be your authentic self. <laughs> well, my weaknesses are I'm kind of lazy. It takes me a long time to learn anything. I don't like getting up in the morning. Where are you going? Did I get the job? What's happening? <laughs> so they're, they're expecting you to put your best foot forward. Yeah, they, plus they, a little bit. They aren't expecting honesty. Yeah, they don't want honesty. That would be a bad call. So there, there are moments and places in life where um, we, we, we need to present the best possible version of ourselves, plus a little bit. Uh, and that's that's simply the way society is structured. That's very different from, again, creating a lifestyle where that is what we do all day, every day. I am pretending to be a person I am not, who is much better than I am everywhere I go all day, every day. Those are not the same things. One of them, again, is just 
that's just society. That's how it works. Um, if you hope to get or hold a job, you're going to need at least a certain amount of that. The other one is unhealthy. And I think it's worth noting, and I think this is part of where the whole it's okay to not be okay thing comes from, is Christian culture is that lifestyle. Christian culture is a lifestyle of pretending to be more squared away than you are, pretending to be more lined out than you are, pretending to be healthier than you are. And that it's not healthy. It's not good for you. It's not good for anybody else. So we do for sure want to call that out that that, you know, a lifestyle of make believe is bad. Um, and we want to move uh, away from that. Okay. That's the limit on one side. What's the limit on the other side? Having no plans or desire or intention or work in progress to improve anything in your life is also unhealthy. Deeply, yep. deeply unhealthy. And it it's funny that we need to say that, but we, we actually do kind of for two separate reasons. One is there is kind of a counter movement in Christianity um, or Christian culture, I should say, that where they take the idea of it's okay to not be okay. And they do kind of make that into something overly broad and kind of weird where we, you know, don't ever want anything to improve ever. Um, and there's also, if you are kind of, you know, in, in certain corners of Twitter or Tumblr or social media, there's a belief that ever wanting someone to improve on anything, it's like you're accusing them of being bad right now. Respect my journey. <laughs> yeah. Respect uh, it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm laying in traffic. This is my journey. You will respect it. <laughs> yeah. I Absolutely. Okay. Well, this th that's just dysfunctional. There, there's not a way for that to work. I think one of the, the problems here is that actually very similar to what Glenn very well put is wanting to improve things is not, does not need to be the same as saying where I'm at now is bad. We we actually don't have to make this a negative motivation. I, right. I think if you were to read um, um, a preponderance of qualified and capable psychologists, they would tell you that growth and evolution is an essential part of living a happy life. It's, it's not possible to, try and and plant a flag and stay exactly in one spot for the rest of your life and be happy and satisfied. There, there's no way to do that. A, a happy life is one of growth and of improvement and of development. That doesn't mean yesterday was bad. It just means we're on a journey and that we want tomorrow to be better. So again, we have these left and right limits where on the one hand, a lifestyle of pretending to be better than we are is not healthy. Um, it will not yield good outcomes, but there's not a way to feel good about it. But whether it's from Christian culture or a social media thing or whatever, a life where we insist that there's nothing to improve, so we will never improve anything, that's not going to work either. What what we need is a life where we embrace, I think the, the, the really the Christian concept is, I am a work in progress. Um, God is working on me. I am not who I once was, but I'm also not who I will someday be. That doesn't mean God will love me more then. God loves me as much today as he ever will be, but because he loves me, he wants me to have a good and satisfied life, and a good and satisfied life involves both being honest about where I am today, but also growing and evolving and developing to become a different person for tomorrow so that I can continue yeah. to partake in this journey. That's a really, really, really good point. And Lee, I wonder if what we're looking at here may not be a bit of a a overcorrection. And, and I'm going to tell you what I mean, because if our friend came into a church that is 
kind of trying to either a little bit new, maybe plan to trying to do something. Maybe a lot of it's okay, it's okay to not be okay, which again, as we pointed out for the reasons we have, it's a, it's a really good point. It's one we generally agree with, but it didn't come up in a vacuum. There was a church culture and maybe a Christian thing that predated that, that led to that swinging the other way. So yeah, the reality is that there's always going to be a little, as these guys have said, we're going to need both. You know, we need motivation. We need acceptance. We need those in, in both in significant measure. But we also are going to kind of wobble back and forth a little bit as we find that balance, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. The whole time you were setting up the question, I was thinking about the word balance. Um, If we took this out of the realm of spirituality for a second, if we took it out of the realm of Christianity and talked about like going to the gym, for instance, something that, you know, a lot of people do in every town, everywhere, um, are are huge. There's a couple huge mistakes you could make. One is to go ahead and pretend like you are... um, you know, some kind of bodybuilder that can list, lift all the heaviest weight in every exercise, you are going to hurt yourself that way. To pretend like you've already arrived or you are already, you know, uh, at some level beyond everybody else. Uh, you're going you're gonna to injure yourself. You're going to injure your muscles, your joints, all of that kind of stuff. Um, it's not, that's not a healthy way to, to move forward, to pretend that you're already there. You've already arrived. But also, uh, you won't grow if you, if you, lift the lightest weight that you can already achieve right now and you never push yourself at all um th- there's it's it falls exactly in the lines of what Jed's talking about in these left and right limits what we need is balance um and and exactly as you're setting up Matt this comes down from the top um whether you're talking about like a church community or just kind of a small group that you're in or a bible study or something like that one thing that will really help is if we have leadership in that small group or in that church or in that Bible study that is um, that has and demonstrates and models this kind of balance, um, the kind of balance that's able to say with humility and honesty, I exactly as Jed said, I couldn't say it any better. Nobody could say it better. I'm not who I once was. I'm not yet who I will be. Um, I am a work in progress. Jesus is at work in me right now. Um, and I have a lot of growing edges that I'm working on and that I'm praying about and that I'm trying to find my way through. And at the same time, I have moved forward from who I used to be. Um, I, I have bad days and I have good days. I think that's a really important part of this process is to realize that even in the midst of growing, you're going to have bad days. Um, you're going to have days where everything feels like you've bottomed out. Um, and we need to be able to have the kind of groups, the kind of community, the kind of church or the kind of small group where we can be honest about that, that I'm having a terrible day. I feel like I'm nowhere. I feel like I have no, I have, I have no kind of center and I don't know where I'm at. And then days where I feel like I'm, I'm doing really well, I'm moving forward, all that kind of stuff. We need to have the kind of environment where we can be honest about all that stuff, but where we do feel like, and yet I want to grow because I'm finding life there and I'm finding fullness there. And I'm finding the place where when I let Jesus call the shots 
and I'm going to him about where I need to grow, that's where I'm finding fullness in life and, and growth and all that kind of stuff. So I think looking at the picture of kind of a, a gym or a weight room can be helpful. I don't want to throw so much weight on there just to impress somebody that I can't do anything. But I also don't want to just stay you know, satisfied doing the same kind of 10-pound weight or whatever when I can obviously grow as I move forward. And a lot of that does come from the tone of leadership. Am I around leadership that is able to be honest about who they are, the bad days they're having, the struggles that they're experiencing, and also um, a, a desire to let Jesus call the shots and to move forward? We want to be in the kind of environment and the kind of community where we strike the right balance there. That's absolutely right. I think this is all fantastic stuff you've heard from these guys. We're going to move on to our second question here. It came in anonymously, and it says... I face a lot of temptation, and some days I'm strong about it. Other days, it's like I'm failing before I even realize what's happening. Why is that? I'm sure I can't be the only one who feels this way. And I think we can uh, safely say you're not the only one who feels nope. that way. But, Jed, where do we start off right. with the idea of feeling strong some days and not on others? Well, I think that the reason we feel strong some days and and uh, not so much on others is I think that we don't always have a good sense of the mechanism through which we're going to fight temptation. So some days we've, we've kind of fought it without really realizing what we've done. And other days, because we didn't really realize what we'd done on the last day, we don't fight it very well that day. And then it, it, it feels like we're confused. So I want to start us off with one strategy that is hardly ever talked about by Christians, but I think it may be the most important strategy for dealing with temptation, and that is the unbelievable power of thinking it through. Mm. We're going to engage... <laughs> Glenn is stroking his beard. <laughs> We're no, going... I'm going to go with my gut, sprints into traffic. <laughs> We're going to engage our brain, and we're going to think stuff through. That sounds painful. Well, I, I, I'll tell you a story. This is like 12 years ago. It's, it's kind of a crazy story, but I, I think it illustrates the point. So I needed to buy like a new t-shirt, so I'm, I'm at um, you know, one of these discount clothing kind of places. Uh, it, here, it's a place called Marshall's. I'm, I'm sure you have one just like it where you are, but it's the kind of place where stuff that didn't sell at the big store is selling here now, and would you please buy it? And it's, you know, one of these kind of things. So I'm buying a t-shirt, and while I'm there, I'm like, you know, I kind of need, it's, it's fall, I kind of need a jacket. Let me see, you know, what kind of cheap jackets they have. And um, it's a weird store where 99% of stuff they carry is, you know, super cheap, super inexpensive, but every once in a while they'll have something really fancy in there. So I'm going through the jackets and I find this super cool looking jacket. Whoa, what is this? And I pull it out and it's this super shishi famous Italian fashion brand. I'm like, well, I got to at least try it on. So I try it on and it fits perfectly. It's like it was made for me, man. It was so awesome. I'm like, I feel like the story ends in Jed buying a cursed jacket. It's it. Well, you know, wait and see. <laughs> so I'm like, dude, this, you know what? This, it's probably meant to be. It's that's probably what it is. And then I looked at the price tag. And again, this is the whole point of the store is everything's cheap. That's, right. that's why people shop here. I look at the price tag and it was something like $800 for this jacket. And I had this. I was so pissed. I was so pissed. And I had this crazy thought pop into my head. And the thought said, you should just steal it. Now, <laughs> strike a blow for freedom. 
show these people a thing or two. You know what? It'd be good for them, Jed. That's right. Who do they think they are, Jed? Who indeed? All right. Well, now, here's the funny thing. So I have a moment, an almost textbook Sunday school moment of temptation, right? right? There's a thing I want, and there's a little devil on my shoulder, and and he's whispering to me. All right. Well, the first thing is... The standard response is I'm supposed to say, no, devil, because that's wrong, and I don't do wrong things. All right, that's that's kind of the Sunday school response. But the problem here is, emotionally, I totally agree with that suggestion. I think it's ins- yeah. it's a perfect jacket that looks great on me, and it's like you guys are trying to taunt me with the fact that I can't have it. You know, you should have this jacket. I should too. have this jacket. That's why the thought occurs to me that I should steal it. If it was a sucky jacket, there would be no appeal in that. <laughs> so we've been trained that we're going to fight this battle emotionally. I'm just like, you know, I don't, I don't even want this jacket. That's you know, stealing. Bad, so I, but that doesn't work. The whole reason why the temptation has any pull to it at all is because my emotions are already agreeing with the temptation. Right. So trying to fight that emotion is not a good idea. And that's really the whole thing about you. But that's wrong and sin is bad. That's kind of trying to have an emotional fight in that moment, which isn't going to work very well. What Christians are not good at doing, but what's super effective is to ask, would it work? Right. If you attempted to steal this jacket that's covered in security tags, <laughs> and this place has like five security guys watching everything, and there's buzzers everywhere, would it work? Right. And suppose that, I mean, you, you've never broken a law in your entire life, but suppose you became a criminal mastermind and you got it out the door. Would it work? Would it work for you to have the stolen jacket? And people ask you, where'd you get that? Nowhere. You a narc? Is that what this is? Would it work? No, it would. The whole thing falls apart. So what I'm left yeah. with is a situation where I'm, I'm a little bit pissed. I'm a little bit disappointed. I'm, I'm unhappy because there's a thing I think is cool that I can't have, which is Plus, the, you can't steal it. That's even worse. Plus I can't steal it, which is even worse. But, Thinking it through is how we actually navigate a course forward. If I'm not willing to think it through, I'm left with a couple of very bad options. One is just give in to the temptation, which is a super bad idea. Another very bad option is to effectively lie to myself is to say mm. either, um, well, I don't really want it, which, again, that's not true. The whole reason why we're having this discussion about temptation is because I do want it. Right. Or to try and subjugate my actual feelings with a Bible thing that I don't feel. I may believe is true, but I don't feel. And that's the whole stealing is bad, which again is true, but I don't really feel it. And so I'm kind of semi being dishonest with myself in that moment. The only option that really gives me a way forward is think it through. This wouldn't work. I mean, you wouldn't get it out of the store. And you wouldn't be pleased with yourself, and it would present nonstop social problems. People would want to know, how did you get like several thousand dollars to buy this? 
How indeed? You have to say, oh, don't worry. I stole it. I, I stole it. I wouldn't spend this kind of money on this jacket. It's no problem. <laughs> right? But the thing is, we can continue that course of thinking it through. And I can say, you know what? God clothes the uh, the flowers and, and the birds. He cares about me having clothes to wear. This jacket is not on that list, but he can certainly provide a different jacket which will be fine and which will be lovely. But this is all based on thinking it through as opposed to feeling it through. When we come to temptation, the thing that all of us are conditioned to do is to try and feel our way through that journey. Mm. That doesn't work. The thing that we want to do is we want to start training ourselves to think it through, to engage our brain and see the big picture of what we're dealing with and would it work and what does God actually have for me? And on that basis, what decisions do I want to make? A really, really strong place to start this off, really like everything Jed was saying there. And Lee, I think we should uh, go to the point that our friend made of I can't be the only one who feels this yeah. way because... Um, exactly as Jed's laying out there, it's important to understand the universality of this. We're going to get out of it, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, the, the universality is this is the way everybody feels whenever we get tempted. You are not only, are you not alone? Um, this is every, 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 everybody. I I, want to pick up exactly where Jed left off. He's saying, you know, we, what we want to do is be analytical, um, rather than emotional. There, there is. There's no better advice that you could possibly give somebody on this. And what I want to do is kind of flesh that out and say, all right, let's analyze this. The 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 deal is, is that the universality comes down in this. Uh, not only is everybody experiencing temptation the exact same way you are, but the way it's coming down is specifically laid out like this. You have uh, tendencies that you might not even recognize. Um, And what we need to do is we need to ask the question, what are the tendencies? When I feel this temptation, that's an emotional response to some kind of stimulus. Um, What is coming before that emotional response and what is coming before that stimulus? What is the thing that is, that is causing me to feel this way? The, The, the place where Christians get kind of tied up in this is exactly what Jeb was saying. We don't like the idea of taking a spiritual issue and making it analytical, but it's exactly what we need to do with it because you are um, – like the whole reason that that kind of counselors and psychologists and, and therapists can talk about, um, you know – uh, you know, test cases and and uh, case studies and stuff like that is because human beings all react very similarly in different kinds of situations. Um, when we are presented with a certain kind of stimulus, we have a certain kind of emotional reaction. We have a certain kind of behavioral reaction. And so what we need to do is we need to say, what are my tendencies? When I'm tempted to do this thing, what is happening to me beforehand? This is how we find out uh, the wisdom that we need to to walk forward in actually kind of overcoming these temptations. Um, do I re- do I recognize any kind of patterns in my behavior? Am I um, responding to any kind of specific stimulus in the way that I feel? What you might find is if you started to make a chart on 
Is there a certain time of day that I face this temptation? Is there a certain day in the week that I face this temptation? Is there a certain time, is there a certain thing that comes before this specific temptation? You might find out there's something weird like every time I have a conversation with uh, this, you know, uh, with this, you know, person that's ahead of me in my job, then I have this reaction and I have this temptation. Every time I have this kind of conversation with one of my roommates, then I have this specific temptation. Every time I have this kind of conflict situation with one of my family members, then I have this specific temptation. That's not bad news. All that kind of stuff is really, really awesome news. If we could develop a sense of what the patterns are, what the tendencies are, and I know that this sounds weird because... We have a tendency to think that temptation is 100% spiritual stuff, which we, exactly as Jed said, we lump into emotional stuff. And what I'm talking about sounds like kind of sports analytics. You know, we look at like when this batter comes up to the plate, they always hit this pitch into this area of the outfield or whatever. And for those of you who don't follow baseball, I'm sorry that I just said that out loud. But I know that this kind of sounds like sports analytics, but all this kind of stuff can be helpful because we are creatures of habit. When certain stimuli happen, we react in a certain way. What are my triggers? What are the things that lead to me feeling this way? The more I can understand myself, the more wisdom I can develop in understanding how I can handle those different types of stimulus, different types of stimuli in different and healthy ways so that I can overcome the temptation that I'm feeling with an actual healthy response. When I start to involve, when I start to look at my, uh, you know, what I'm feeling and what I'm, what's happening to me beforehand, and then I involve prayer in that or other folks who are walking with me and maybe a small group or different friends, different believing friends. When I start to get some wisdom involved on my tendencies and triggers, man, I'm going to start to find some victory and freedom in temptations in ways that I've never had when I've just been responding to the emotions. It's exactly what Jed's saying. It's taking a step further and saying, okay, I want to think about this and look at what is happening to me and how do I involve uh, wisdom in looking at what my tendencies, triggers, stimulus, responses, all that kind of stuff so that I can get some actual victory in these situations. That's a really, really good uh, analysis there. It's a really a good stepping stone off where Jed started us off. And Glenn, let me pick us up there because I think as an example of how we can apply this kind of uh, thinking that uh, Lee is giving us, one of the uh, thing in my experience, one of the devil's favorite tricks is convincing us that the thing we think we're doing well is that's actually the problem. Mm. Like the, so our person, our friend wrote the question says, some days I feel like I'm fighting off temptation. Great. Some days I'm not. Now it sounds like they're looking at saying the problem is those days I'm not fighting it as well. But if you're fighting it so much that you're overwhelmed, that may be a base problem, right? Well, for sure, yeah. If you, you, you only have so much with which to fight off temptation. If you're running out, you might be giving yourself too much temptation to be fighting off. And that's uh, we're saying that that's with the best strategy and yeah, the yeah. best backup. Oh, yeah. Everybody still has their limit. 
For sure, everybody does, and and mine don't run nearly as long as you might guess that they do. I mean, you 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 put me in enough tough circumstances without me recharging my batteries, yep. I'll fall right off. Yep. That's that's life. That's everybody. Yep. It's not just me. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think looking at reducing the amount of temptation is going to be almost universally more important than uh, increasing your ability to fight it off. And I think uh, some people almost make a sport off of giving themselves too much to fight off and seeing how much they can do with fighting it off. Uh, so I think it's important for us to get in a mindset of, of uh, finding ways of reducing the amount of temptation in our environment but now that sounds like I might be disagreeing with Jed, who's saying engage with this process instead of looking away and whatever. Uh, you know, it sounds like I'm saying just avoid as much of life as possible. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, you know, you could be around this family for five minutes, 10 minutes, 15, 20. Okay, somebody just said something about politics. Okay, well, you. Time to go. God bless y'all. Oh, you just got here. Yep, and now I'm just leaving. Bye. And that's it. You you know where your limits are. You know, I'm going to be spending out all these temptation points for nothing. What yeah. what's going to be gained off of that? You know, uh, better to leave while things are good. You know, that's that's a good thing. Are they slightly disappointed that I left early? Yeah. Are, are would they be more disappointed if I said y'all are a bunch of fools? I can't stand to hear another word. Yeah, they'd be more disappointed. So this is the better outcome on that. Uh, but I I I totally agree with what Jed's saying. We have a problem admitting that we want these yes, things. Yes. If you can't admit it, it's going to sneak up on you real easy. You want that jacket. You want the jacket. You want all the... Let me tell you what. The, I hear this all the time uh, from pastors. Hey, I'm not about the numbers. Oh, my Yes, you Lord. are. If, if you're not about the numbers, why does numbers come up every single time I talk to you? That kind of thing. <laughs> uh, you, know, the, you know, who are you trying to convince kind of a thing. Uh, I get this from people who they're social media people. You know, I it's not about the likes. I'm not just you know. <laughs> come on, man, you're checking that stuff five times a day. I'm not criticizing it. In fact, I'm saying if you can admit that you that you you like it, uh, and that you're that you're pursuing it, then we can start to engage with it in the way that Jed was talking about of really examining it. Uh, I, Jed asked the question, is it going to work? And I would, I would put side by side with that. Do you know why you want it? Yeah. That's really important. Yeah. Do you know why you want it? Uh, because the answer to that will really ruin that temptation. It'll just ruin it. If you ask that question of "Do you know why you want it?" you will discover it won't work. It won't work, and it and it would be it would sound silly to you. So, if we're doing the jacket analogy, why do you want to steal the jacket? Well, here's what it is: you've projected forward in time where you're wearing the jacket in the world. Yeah, and the people were like, "Whoa, this guy gets it." It's from Hermes. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> it's Italian, everybody. It's a gucky. And people would be like, would you like to come to our fancy garden party based on your jacket? Why, yes, I would. <laughs> and you just, you, 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 the fantasy is playing in your head. And it's silly, but we do think these ways. Yeah. So our ego and our pride and our whatever the temptation is goes. And it, 
it, and we're 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 creating this narrative behind it. We're creating this yep. whole world that goes with this temptation. But the problem, or, or the the good part, I guess you could say, is that if I take that and spell it out out loud, it's immediately, as I said, absurd yep. and silly. If you say, "Why do you want to steal the jacket?" What would the jacket do? Well, I'd be like people would look at it and like people like I'd have it <laughs> and like a party and cucumber sandwiches and you know <laughs> you'd be like you'd sound stupid to yourself yep. saying that and you'd say, well, I you know that's not it, you know that. But if you don't examine that, if you don't say why, what is what is this? Or why do I want this? If you don't do that. What you're left with is this huge disappointment. I yeah. had my hopes up. I had my, I, I, I had an interest in this thing. I had a desire that was just that. This is the whole thing with temptation. You get the desire that's just burning and burning and burning and burning, and you just I got to do something about this, and it gets you thinking all sorts of crazy things. If you don't break down, where is this desire coming from? Why do I yeah. want this? Eventually, that desire you could you could put it to the side, but eventually that desire will get answered to. You will do something with that desire. Yeah, it will it will find you at a weak moment. Yeah, and you'll you'll give into that. But if you see if you see the absurdity of you in this leather jacket, then you're able to say, "Well, this is this is silly," and I you know this isn't what I should want, and I you know it, it, and you know uh it wouldn't do what i want it to do wouldn't wouldn't fulfill me in that way i think that allows us to overcome temptation much more effectively those are all really really sharp insights from these guys on this and really super helpful move on to our final question here it comes in anonymously and it says how do you forgive someone when they've done something unforgivable i know you have to find a way so you can better yourself but sometimes it feels impossible and another really excellent question and lee kick us off it is. That's a great question. You know, sorry that you're going through a situation like that and that somebody's hurt you in that way. And and it is a situation that we all face from time to time. I would say a couple things real quick and then kind of dig into some of the meat of this. One is that forgiveness is not the same as reestablishing a, a, a great best friend relationship with this person. We need to say that from the top because there's a lot of confusion about that. The idea there's there's an idea in some Christian circles of if I forgive somebody, then that means we are best friends again, um, and you know we we have reestablished everything about our old relationship. Well, depending on what that person did, you may have to set up a boundary with that person where you say we are not going to have the same level of contact, we are not going to have the same level level of relationship again. Um, but uh, that aside, what I would say is that forgiveness piece is is the part of the situation where you are realizing that I am deciding not to get even with this person um, based on the the hurt that I've sustained. Um, I have my feelings have been hurt, and I have been hurt, and every now and then those feelings come up again. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to separate that relationship with that person and your relationship with those feelings. That's a very difficult thing because when somebody hurts you, you have a new relationship now, and that relationship, the new relationship, is the relationship with the the all the feelings that you have. 
the the way that to get rid of those feelings would be to get even with that person. If you got even with that person, then that feels like then I would I, I would completely uh, have satisfaction in all the things that I feel. And basically, our forgiveness is a way of saying I'm going to let the Lord deal with that person, and I'm going to give my feelings to Him every time I feel them. Um, that involves you being honest about the way that you feel, um, taking those feelings directly to him, not watering those down, not saying, not minimizing what that person did. We're not saying, you know, it probably wasn't a big deal. Um, yeah, I felt tender about that, but it probably wasn't a big deal. We're not saying that at all. It was a big deal. What they did was wrong. It was offensive. It was hurtful. Whatever, whatever. We're, we need to be honest about the way we feel, not judge the way we feel about it, but take those things straight to the Lord so that we're saying, I need you to help me move past this thing. The, the funny thing to me is that the most honest that I've gotten about a situation where I need to be forgiving to someone is where I recognize that, that the feelings that I have are kind of like... Um, like a dating relationship where you've broken up with somebody, but they keep texting you. I don't know if you guys have ever been in that kind of situation where you're in a, you've broken up with somebody. This is not a good relationship, but they keep contacting you, you know, and they keep saying, you know, even though we broke up, we really should kind of still hang out and mess around. And that's kind of the way that thing feels is, I don't want to be in a relationship with you and you keep calling me. And and the, the thing about it is, is they always call you at bad times of the day. You know, they call you late at night when your defenses are down, uh, you're trying to go to sleep and it's like, and that's when those feelings pop up. That you start thinking about that person and that offense that they did to you. And it's really not even about that person. It's about the feelings that you have about the offense. When, when you need to forgive somebody, those feelings are a whole new relationship and you're trying to break up with them and they just keep texting and they keep calling and they keep suggesting that you kind of rendezvous together. And that's the thing that we need to take to the Lord. That's the part where we need to surrender that to him and we need to say, you've got to deal with these feelings for me. You've got to help me through this. You're going to have to give me something that I don't have because I don't want to be in this relationship. I don't want to be in this unhealthy thing. So I need you to deal with it. And the really, really cool thing, and, and I've, I've heard Glenn describe this before, and I've, I've felt this myself, which is... When you take something to the Lord that you are offended about and upset about, and you feel immediately from the Spirit of the Lord, oh, don't you worry. I'm super upset about that, and I'm going to deal with that. And that's an awesome feeling, because you're like, oh, well, great. That's awesome. So go ahead and waylay them or whatever. And all of a sudden, you feel kind of charitable towards that person, because you know the Lord's about to do something you know, huge on that deal. But that's what we want to do, is we want to separate that you know we may need to end a relationship with that person but we have a new relationship with our feelings about that whole deal and that's the thing that we need to continually take to the lord to be honest about it take it to him so that when that bell dings again that we're saying i don't want this unhealthy relationship i'm going to trust the lord to deal with this in his way and his time that's a, the exact right place to start this off it's really great stuff 
And Jed, I'd love to get you to pick us up here because I wonder if part of our friends struggle with this is kind of goes back to exactly what Lee was saying. Actually, on our last question about some of the, the emotions of temptation. Yep. And that's the idea. It kind of, he's leading us to here that forgiveness is going to be a big old emotional release and, or a cry fest, or it's just going to feel great. And I'm going to feel like I have this thousand pounds on my shoulders and I'm just not ready. Sure. If I'm ready to do all that much love. Yeah. So I wonder if starting off with a better, I, a better definition and idea of forgiveness would help us move towards actually doing it. I think you're absolutely right. Um, you know, weirdly, I don't think we think about this terribly often, but forgiveness in a sense is actually a financial term, um, as in right. forgiving a debt. In fact, if you read the King James, the authorized version, uh, the Lord's Prayer says... Did, did God authorize it or just dudes? Uh, yeah. Okay. So if you, if you read the authorized by someone version, um, uh, the Lord's Prayer uh, says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So again, the idea of, of forgiving a debt. So let's take a look at the literal idea of forgiving a debt for a second. Uh, suppose that you went and you borrowed $10,000 from a bank. You know, you, you, you got a loan. Got a lot of jackets to buy, do you? <laughs> well, I, I have to be prepared for next fall, Matthew. So you go and you get, it doesn't matter what the amount is, but $10,000 loan from a bank. All right. And then, and you agree to terms and the whole thing and, and you'll, you'll repay at this rate and blah, 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 blah. And then you just don't, you just, you don't in any way repay this money that you owe at all. Well, let's pause for a second. A few things. First is you do owe that money to the bank. You have a debt to them. It's, it's not a matter of, well, if you feel like you gave me $10,000 and then you didn't get it back, well, I'm sorry that you've chosen to feel that way. The first thing we want to be clear is there's an actual concrete thing here. You received a thing. You were supposed to pay it back. You didn't. All right. Well, now pick up our story again. So you go to the bank. You get the loan. They give you the $10,000. You, you come up with a repayment schedule, and then you just don't. You just don't give them the money back at all. Okay. In our modern world, we have, you know, collections agencies and whatnot, but let's forget all that. Let's, let's go to a, a simpler, more antiquated time where they, where they didn't really have that. At a certain point, the bank basically has a couple of options. One is they can do something really extreme so that, you, you know, you have collections agencies and in the past you had, you know, debtors prisons and these kind of things. Um, so you could do something really extreme or they can just write off the debt. They can cancel the debt. They can forgive the debt. So what does that mean? Like what, what happens in that moment? Well, let's start by maybe describing things it doesn't mean. It doesn't in any way mean that the bank is saying, it's no problem that we gave you $10,000 and you didn't pay it back. They're not saying that <laughs> at all. They're also not in any way saying, you know, we'd love to do business with you again. They're definitely for sure not saying that. It doesn't mean that they're saying, you're welcome to come by, and they're not saying that either. They're saying basically two things that, that are, are, are pretty simple. The first is they are saying, we are choosing to no longer pursue you to get this money back. We are deciding that you no longer owe us this money. 
They they are saying that, which is kind of a crazy thing to say, but they are saying that. They're saying, we are deciding you no longer owe this this money. But they're principally saying that actually for themselves. One of the things that banks kind of need to do in order to be banks is to balance their books, right? You don't want there to be like outstanding discrepancies in the, the ledger of a bank. That would be super bad. So at a certain point, for the sake of the bank, they are deciding you no longer owe this money. We are no longer attempting to get this money back from you. We are simply marking this as a loss so that we can close out this ledger and we, the bank, can move on with our lives. That's There's a lot to look at there in terms of its implications for us. If someone has hurt you, maybe they've hurt you in a big way. They've done something, as your question says, that feels unforgivable. Forgiveness is not in any way for them. It's for you. That's right. It's it's about you being able to close the books. It's about you being able to move on. It's about you saying that chapter has been addressed and has been dealt with and it is now over. That's about you. It's not about them. Whether they receive any benefit from that forgiveness or not, it's kind of up to them. I mean, if we go back to to the bank for a second, Somebody who would take a $10,000 loan and then, you know, just decide I'm not going to in any way attempt to repay this or work this out or do anything. They may have some issues and struggles in their life. And so um, the bank can forgive that loan, but that person might go and do something else inadvisable as well and kind of, you know, get themselves into more trouble. So you forgiving a person in the same way Maybe it benefits them, maybe it doesn't. They kind of have to decide, you know, if they want to actually receive a benefit. But you're doing it for you. You're doing it so that you can move on. But the other thing that is worth looking at, that again is a parallel with with the bank, is part of the reason why the bank is making that decision, again, is they, they can move on, they can close their books. But there's, in a sense, there's an emotional reality of, there's no sense in pretending that $10,000 is coming back. We can waste a lot of time trying to pursue it, but he doesn't have it. He went out, he spent it on jackets, many, many jackets, and now he doesn't have it anymore, so we can't get it back. And weirdly, one of the things about forgiveness is noting that something has been lost. It doesn't mean that the rest of our lives are defined by loss. But it does mean admitting we took a hit on this. It doesn't make it okay. It doesn't, you know, right. but we did. We we took a hit on this. This guy took the $10,000 and he did not repay that. It's easy for us to get into a place where we we want to think bad things about ourselves off of that. Does that make me a sucker? Does that make me a fool? Does that make me a loser? And I don't want to think of myself that way. Therefore, I can't let this go. I've got to even this out because I don't want to look at myself that way. But the thing for the bank is they're they're not tempted to look at themselves that way. We we are a bank. We give out loans. Sometimes people default on those loans and we have to let it go. That doesn't make us a bad bank. Um, again, it may make them a bad customer, but it doesn't make us a bad bank. It's the same thing for you. 
the thing that the, the person who wronged you, it's about them. It's not about you. The forgiveness is about you. The moving on is about you. And there's that freedom that comes. That's the thing that we want for you. But we're going to be able to grasp all that a lot more if we can kind of go back to those fairly basic ideas about what it means to forgive a debt. That's a really, really good foundation to continue uh, building this on. And Glenn, I think we have to we take that proper understanding of forgiveness. And I think there's some other work we should probably be doing before we jump to the, I know you have to forgive, which is true. That's mm-hmm. in there. We're Christians. We have a, we have a, you know, a obligation before God to forgive people, do things bad for us. That's in the Bible. But there's some groundwork that needs to be laid before we get there, right? Absolutely. Yeah, and, and I think it, uh, as these fellows are laying it out, it might be a lot more healthy and realistic and, and just spiritually, theologically true to say that the forgiveness is a get-to, not a have-to. Uh, but um, I think, let's as I'm listening to both of these guys answer this question, the thing that's coming to me is expectations. What, what mm. expectations—someone has wronged me. What expectations should be on me? And I think if your answer is anything above zero, <laughs> you're probably getting into some dangerous territory. Yeah. Again, the, the forgiveness is to, to set you free uh, so you can have some clarity. And, and, uh, but it's not up to me to fix this because I didn't break it. That, that's on that person. You say, well, right. I have to be Christian in all things. Well, what what does that mean? Does that mean I'm giving chances and giving out trust that hasn't been earned? That's not Christian. That's being a doormat. There's a difference. You know, that's I'm setting myself up for further abuse because I like to think of myself as Christian. That's the opposite of being an actual Christian, you know. Uh, so that's that's not paying off. And I'm saying these things as someone who's made all these mistakes that I'm laying out for you. Uh, I think, you you know, say you've been wronged. You probably have lots of questions. <laughs> Here's the thing. Here's where the beginning of the beginning of the beginning, boundaries. First and foremost, we're not thinking about forgiveness. We're not thinking about broken trust. We're not talking about feelings. We're not... You, before anything, have we closed these boundaries down? And, you know, along the lines of what Lee's talking about here, have we got the phone number out of the phone or blocked the number or the thing, whatever it is? Do we, do we you know, are we saying, okay, for the next X number of months, I'm not going to family events because it's time to set a boundary, it's time to limit, and so on and so forth. Uh, whatever that boundary needs to be for you, it starts with setting that boundary because we are not going to forgive someone if it's an ongoing thing. They're going to keep you know piling that up. Uh, so we have to to start by setting that boundary. Then we're going to look at your pain. That's important. Mm-hmm. All this other theologicals, that's way downstream. First thing, let's talk about your pain, because Chad was alluding to this, this idea of what does this say about me? Yep. When when somebody is wronged me, I start thinking, what kind of what do you who do you think I am? What is it what do you think about me that you think you can treat me in this way? 
Well, you know, if you look at mistreatment that you're dealing with, it can be from a pure accident, it's a completely unintentional thing. Uh, it might be, you know, someone should have been paying attention or something, and they wrecked your car or something, but it was an accident. It wasn't intended to happen. Still a problem for you, still painful for you, still something they need to take responsibility for, but it's an accident. The second thing is someone acts totally out of their own character. You know, they're just, they've never, they're just having the worst day of their life and they say something rude, something along those lines. Same difference. They still need to answer for that. Same, they need to, to, to deal with that. Uh, but we can, we can forgive on the basis of this is a one-off type of deal. But most of the stuff that you're wrestling with, how to forgive that you're talking about in this question is you've received a pattern of uh, negative, abusive, pick your adjective, uh, behavior from someone over a period of time that's part of that person's character, that's part of that person's personality, it's part of that person's bad habits, whatever those things are. I'm not trying to vilify that other person either. I'm saying... If it's part of a pattern and they're not taking responsibility for the pattern, they're not working on that pattern, they're not addressing that, you're going to get into a, a thing where you're starting to blame yourself, feel negative towards yourself. What does this say about me? Uh, and it's about recognizing this is on this, exactly as Jed said, this is on this other person. This is this other person's dysfunction. It's what's driving this. I need to limit that. So when we get to the point of forgiveness... Let's think. When you say forgiveness, you think it's a it's one thing that happens all at once. So uh-huh. let me give you an analogy. Think. <laughs> imagine you've got a bathtub, and I give you a teaspoon. I say, okay, for, it, it, take this. This bathtub is filled with all the wrong things this person has done to you. Get your teaspoon out and forgive them. Each teaspoon, you you can only forgive them a teaspoon's worth at a time. You can get there; it's possible. It's not going to happen overnight, and there's it kind of doesn't make sense to be in a rush with it because it's still going to take forever. And it might be better that it takes some time because right. you know we might need time to think about some of these things that we're forgiving as we're forgiving them. Uh, it, 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 and also, I don't need a ton of homework just because you screwed my life up. So, you know, there's that. I, I need to take my time with this. I need to do it right. But that circles us back to the boundary piece. If if water is still coming in from the shower while I'm trying to dip it out with my teaspoon, we're never going to get where we're going. We have to stop or severely limit this in order to get to a place where we can ever hope to have a real, you know, down to the bottom of the tub level of forgiveness. That takes lots and lots of time. It's peeling away layers after layers. And this is a good and right thing. This isn't, this isn't a bad version of forgiveness or a dysfunctional version of forgiveness or whatever it is. This is how forgiveness works for everyone. Sometimes we fool ourselves into saying, ah, I've forgiven this person, but... That may be just putting it to the side and not giving yourself permission to work through it. That's not what forgiveness looks like. It's a process. Uh, We want you to work that process 
over time at your own leisure, but that all happens after we take time to care for you. That's absolutely right. These guys have all given you some amazing stuff on this. I will echo what Glenn says about forgiveness being a process. And it must be said, that's not just the process of forgiving someone in a single situation. That's a process. Forgiveness, working that out, working these things about boundaries and what it actually means and working all those relationships. That is a process you get better at the more you do it over the course of your life. And nobody gets it perfect every time. So as long as you're talking about expectations, don't put that expectation on yourself either. All right, if you have a question for us, say that podcast, gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com if you want to keep that anonymous. We're going to tell you the song this week. This is from our friend Peter Lawson. It is called The Help. You got that? Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. Let's say that podcast. Donate now, and we'll give Matt the bird. <laughs> I look up to the hills with the help app. Bear shelf, pink bills with the help app. When around friends, her with the help app. I am bound to the word with the help app. Sometimes prayer brings me a new tune. Sometimes people bring me some peace too. And the other time those may be held back. I can go to the word where the hell back. Which way is up like the truth that I seek? Proof that I'm weak if I choose to believe. Tools of the enemy, tools of deceit. Too much of them make me lose in the streets. I'm in the world made of lies. How could real be defined? But the word that created it wrote every line. God breathed spirit so his words are defined. More truth in them than any other you could find. Jesus from the Father, full of truth and grace. God's love living with us. We could see his face. I think about the world, such an awful place. But then his love turned me around and I give him praise. God became flesh, put skin in the game. Love in the sun and he loves us the same. When I need to know I am loved for sure, I can look to the page where his word endure. I look up to the hills where the help at. Bear shelf, pink bills with the help at. When around friends, her with the help at. I am bound to the word where the help at. Sometimes prayer brings me a new tune. Sometimes people bring me some peace too. And the other time those may be held back. I can go to the word where the help at. Promises all in a row. Here's when we pray and our burdens he know. Sin is forgiven and life is restored. I'm blessed by reading this list, but there's more. Saved by the blood and he's saved for my good. Eternal life now and forever cause he could. Rest for the burdens being blessed with assurance and the comfort and purpose being us as we stood. When the twelve in the boat in the big storm. Daniel in the den when the line roar. Jesus heal the man with the skin sore. God's peace come to me like an encore. God's peace pass all understanding. What I don't know ain't what I'm demanding. Justified by the faith, having peace with the Lord. In the grace is the place where I'm standing. I look up to the hills where the help at. Bear shelf, pink bills where the help at. When around friends, her where the help at. I am bound to the word where the help at. Sometimes prayer brings me a new tune. Sometimes people bring me some peace too. And the other time those may be held back. Cause I praise God and he don't get praise Oh, wants to steal cause he jealous of my favor God loves me as I love my neighbor Enemy gives up, tries to destroy But God's on my side, can't stop this joy Won't get tricked cause the story makes sense Accused of the crime but I got the defense Enemy go on and on like he bad and such My advocate in cahoots cause his dad's the judge Forgiven so much that I must forgive More shame lifted off when the grace I give More pain is lost when I help you live I only try to do what my savior did. I look up to the hills where the help at. Bear shelf, pink bills where the help at. When around.
Maybe he'll back. I can go to the word where the hell back. 